Good. Good morning. I'm Pastor, I'm Pastor Alan Klatt. I'm here to lead us in our worship today. Pastor Yannicki is somewhere. <laughs> Where it's nice and sunny and warm. Yeah. 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 So I get to be with you guys, which is totally fun. For the next uh, four, it's this Sunday and three more Sundays. So, Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be gone for a while. And uh, I also back him up on pastoral stuff. So if there is something, you can always text him if you have issues or things like that. And he and I keep in communication while he's gone. But I can help here in the States <laughs> while, while he's doing his thing. So we've got a whole bunch of interesting subjects to talk about. We're in the season of Lent, kind of a little bit more Lent-dressed because I'm wearing one of these rustic nail crosses because it's a season of preparation of the heart and thinking about what God has done in showing his love for us in Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about how that particular message gets passed on from generation to generation. That's our theme for today. So welcome to all of you. Um, as far as announcements for today, there are um, a whole bunch here in the, in the bulletin, one about a travel opportunity and some sheets that are available in the back if you're interested for this coming summer. The Bunko Night is scheduled in there. There's been a little correction. It's March 21st is when that'll be at 6 p.m. And then our cleaning schedule for the church ladies doing their cleaning is in there as well for contact numbers. And then a big thank you to Jacob for playing the music today, leading us in worship. It's always good. Always good. So, all right. That's pretty well it. Let us start out with an opening word from Scripture. Psalm 145, 1-7. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. This is the word of God, and we now join together in our first song, King of My Heart. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, good. my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song, 
Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song. You are good, good. God, we are yours, and you're never going to let go of us. We thank you for our time here in your house to worship you, to praise you, to learn from you as you share with us your love for us in this life. It truly is amazing. So grant to our hearts and minds an openness to you today. This we pray in Jesus' name, and we all say together, Amen. If you're able, I'd ask that you would please stand for the singing of our next song, Reckless Love. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. been so, so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You 
have been so, so kind to me Before I spoke a word You were singing over me You have been so, so good to me Before I took a breath you breathe your life in me You have been so, so kind to me The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down, fights till I found leaves the ninety-nine couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, oh the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind. the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God
this love of God. Oh, oh, oh. today is from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, Paul writes, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Our next song is Living Hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your love and kindness shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross is spoken I am forgiven the king of kings called me his own beautiful savior Yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ.
the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. And now as it comes here to us in your word in this message, we ask that we would have open hearts and open ears to learn from you, that we might grow in our love for you and also our love for one another. This we pray in Jesus' name. We all say together, amen. Please be seated. One of the great questions in our world is, what in the world is the future? And we try to read the signs of the future based on storms and fires and hurricanes, based on economics, based on national relationships with other countries, based on a whole bunch of things. What is the future of generations? And usually, along with that comes a little bit of worry and a little bit of fear for the next generations coming up. Oh, is it going to be rough for them? A repeated thing over and over. So today, just for today, we're going to talk about this future of generations. Reflect on that in Scripture. One of the reasons I'm, I'm doing a message on this subject is because I work in the other church I'm at, at St. Stephen, I work at a church where we have people that are <clears throat> along in years. All right? So visiting this past week with a 95-year-old and a 97-year-old and on and on. Okay? In fact, a good friend of mine, his mother-in-law just passed and we're talking 99. All right, well... With generations, then, there is, there is a reality. Now, like in my house, I have a little dresser 
And on top of the dresser, Amy and I have put together a, a collection of pictures. You've probably been in a house that has a collection of pictures, or you are the one who has it. Okay? But we have so many people in our family and stuff, we decided to shrink all the pictures down so they could all fit on one desktop, and it's just a, a little forest of pictures, a family, background, kids, all of those kinds of things. One of the gentlemen that I saw in this past week, he, he, there is no desktop anywhere, no countertop, no, not even the TV stand is without pictures on it. Because he's so far along in the generations. He's got grandkids and great-grandkids and tons of them. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing to see the generations. But that's just existing people. It's, it's lives that you're remembering are going on. But along with that comes the narrative of, well, what are these next generations going to have to deal with? And a lot of times, people will say along with it, it's not looking good. So the concerns that go with it are natural, actually. It's always been this way. The narrative really hasn't changed because threats in this world and the difficulty of this human life that we have has never changed. It's always been terrible. <laughs> I mean, you want to go back to the time of Rome, the time of Jesus, what was going on with the disciples at that time? You want to get into the Dark Ages? as we called them, around the time of Luther? You want to come into our time? We, 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 no, 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 it's all there. There are things within the generations that put a lot of pressure and a lot of difficulty in front of people, regardless of what it is, whether it's disease or famine or economics or war. Always been there, always will be. So we're going to talk a little bit about how faith, spirituality, perpetuates itself in generations. And that the Bible has a very clear view of this actually working. Of faith, spirituality, moving from generation to generation. Now when we're talking generations, I'm going to start with this little picture of a generation. You've got a uh, mother, her daughter, and then her daughter. So this would be one, two, three generations, right? Okay, so three generations. And at Jesus' time, three generations was pretty good because the, the length of life wasn't as long as it is now. And there are all kinds of reasons, infant mortality, disease, all the things that went along with it. So we could probably talk the next picture, which is four generations. Woo, four generations. So you've got a mother her daughter, her daughter, and her daughter. So now you've got a uh, grandmother and a great-grandmother in that picture, right? So she's a great-grandmother to this child. So four generations kind of makes sense. Does it go any more than that? Ha! Five generations. Check it out. Now you've got all the way from the top down to a great-great-grandchild. So how many of you have great-great-grandchildren? Ha! It actually, oh, that's so cool, man. Great, great grandchildren. Look at the, at the generations there. This is a pretty big statement. But, oh, they are great grandchildren. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, I have one more fun picture for you. It took me a while to find it. This is six generations. 
six. This is great, great, right? Another one? Great, great, great. So there they all are. They're all alive at once. That is truly amazing, the generations. And look how we respond. Well, is that cool? Well, you're talking a lot. That, that's six generations of people who have commentary on the way the world is and what's coming down the pike. Six generations alive at the same time. Wow. Well, if that gets you started. Now what I want to do is I want to take you into Scripture and show you how generations are part of the whole narrative of God's love for the world in Christ. That's what I want to do. But I'm going to start first with a favorite scripture of mine. It's Psalm 145. I've got different places in the Bible that are kind of my favorite. Just like if you have a lot of kids, sometimes you kind of favor one a little bit over the other. I know it's a scary thing to say. My kids would probably say, it's her, it's him, right? You know, out of my kids. But it's, it's kind of the way it is with the Bible. The Bible's great no matter where you go. But certain places I like it better. For me recently, because this Psalm 145 is the one, is our theme song for Amy and I. Since we were brought together by God, this was our wedding verse. Okay? So we kind of, I like it. So that's where I want to start. Because it's something personal. Okay? It starts out, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. And you're going to see name repeated in here all the time. This is a very strong biblical concept that who you are is wrapped up in your name. So if you say someone's name, they take on significance because of who they are and what they do, what, they, what they've said, how they've lived their life. Because you can think of a, a, a name, just a general name, like Ja. Okay, well, what does that mean to me? I don't know. I don't know anybody named Ja. But if I know someone, their actions, their words, their life, the people they're connected with, the things that they do, all become part of that name. And now the name Ja is a significant one for me because I know who we're talking about. And with God, we praise his name forever and ever because of everything that he's done. You'll see that later as it develops. So then we have, this is, was our, our core verse, every day we will praise him. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. All right, let's keep going in this psalm. Next verse. So now we get kind of a, a statement here. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. This idea of being most worthy is very important to the generations, wherever you are. Worthy, worthy. Does God have worth to you? It's an interesting question. Not, do you have God, are you getting good things from him? It's, is he worth something to you? That's what's inside the word worthy, is worth. You know, if you really think something is worth something, then you're willing to start thinking about, you know, I might want to spend some time on that. If something's worth it, I might take time on a Sunday. And show up at a church and go, hmm, you know, if there's something God wants to say to me, I'm, I, I, because he's worth it. God is worth it for me. 
And this is what we work on bringing to the generations that are around us, is a worth. It is worth saying in God we trust. He is worthy of it. And praise and thanks to him and glory to him, he's just so great. He is most worthy. Now watch the next words. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. So the name of God in your life gains meaning because you're constantly saying, look what he did, look what he did, look what he did, look what he's done, look what he's doing, look what he's going to do down the road, how he's going to fulfill his promises. You have to have some kind of narrative to go with it. Otherwise, it's just wind in the tree branches. It doesn't land in our hearts and function in our minds in this life. God's worth is based in telling of his mighty acts, the things that he's done. Has God done anything mighty? If you don't know anything God has done, well, we start here, right? You should see what God did for the whole entire world through his son, Jesus. It is, wow, talk about worthy of praise. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I mean, he's worthy of praise every single day. Not just on a Sunday, every day, right? The whole life. Every day we will praise him becomes the, the response. So what happens is this generational thing is going on. Now let's run through them. They, they, they speak, the generations speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, O God. And, and I'm going to reflect as a, as a um, psalm writer is, what, is what's happening here. He's going to say, and I, I'm going to meditate on your wonderful works. The generations will tell of the power of your awesome works. And the writer then says again, and I will proclaim your great deeds. Then the next verse. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. This is the whole idea. Why, why do we sing anything in church? Jamming along with Jake. Well, because God is worthy of our praise. He's worth it. He's worth something in my life. In fact, I could say he's worth everything. And that testimony gets commended to the next generations. They go, yeah, yeah, I want to learn about God too. I want to learn his name. And that can start real young. It can start in your 20s or 30s. It can start later on in life. It just doesn't matter. But learning about God and what he, who he is and what he's done, how great is his name in all the earth, is just part of life. Now let's go to another favorite section of scripture for me. So the five books of Moses start out the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Of those five books, my favorite actually is Exodus. I like Genesis, yes. It's got such good stories. It's just great. Exodus is this phenomenally crazy thing of a burning bush and God appearing to Moses and saying, oh, I'm going to have you go, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and they're going to come out of slavery, and God's going to choose a nation out of the peoples of the earth. Oh, that's exciting stuff. So out of Exodus, I want to pick one little thing. The burning bush event. Here, God is speaking to Moses in these words. Say to the Israelites, the Lord Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. 
Okay, so notice this name Yahweh in there. This is the Hebrew word for God. It's behind the word Lord. And, and God says, this is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation. See the generational thing? From generation to generation. <laughs> this is meant ugh, down through all the tears of generations. And this name should be known. So what's interesting is we know God's name. So Jesus is very interesting too because God's son is named Yahweh saves. That's his name, Jesus. In Hebrew, it's Joshua, Yahweh. By this name, you shall call me from generation to generation. Here's the plan. This is God's plan when he's talking to Moses out of the burning bush. Wow, Exodus 3, exciting stuff. Love it for the narratives. All right. So what happens now after God has delivered the Israelites out of Egypt? We jump ahead 17 chapters to Exodus 20. If you ever want to know where the Ten Commandments is, Exodus 20. Okay, got it? So let's look at some of them. You shall have no other gods before me. Huh. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Before you go, before you change. Okay, no, before. Just go ahead and... Done. He's like, get to this. I will, okay? Here's the reason. You're not supposed to bow down to these things you make. You're not supposed to worship them. For I, Yahweh, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now leave this up for a second. This is, this, Luther called this the conclusion to the Ten Commandments. This, this thing right here. Okay, and then we, we quote it, or if you have ever done catechism classes, you actually learn these Bible passages, maybe memorize them, okay? Now, there's an interesting thing God reveals here. He goes, you know, I don't want you worshiping anything else, just me. And the punishment is going to come for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. This section is actually good news. It's not bad news, it's good news. Here, here's why. Because punishment will come to the third and fourth generations. Now, why? Life expectancy. Life expectancy at that time was not great. We're talking about a post-slavery population, child mortality rates really high, disease, pestilence, all these kinds of things, taking people off. They just didn't live that long. So the, the living household was not six generations in general. It isn't even really now, right? It's pretty rare to see a great, great, great grandchild alive, right? With their parents all the way up. So this is a beautiful thing because God's punishment, of course God's going to punish. I mean, if people go astray, right, and they sin against him, there will be retribution. There will be condemnation. There will be punishment that goes with it. The Bible's clear on that from beginning to end. But notice how long it lasts. It's, it's just the living group. The living group will experience that. It's not going to keep going. God's wrath and punishment end. Now look here at his love. 
which is the thing that's backing what he does in Jesus on the cross, right? Look at his love. But he shows love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's you and me. I love God. Do I obey him perfectly? No. Punishment come my way, I deserve it. Hopefully God forgives me, right? Hopefully. <laughs> Good thing, right? Reckless love of God, we just saying that. It's amazing. But look, at his, look how his love endures. Check out this banner right there. His love endures forever. You think that's an uncommon theme? That is so strong in Scripture, you'll see it all the time. There's God's love enduring forever. Is there punishment? Is there difficulty? Yes. Israel was a great example of it, and we are too. But look, look at the hope that's provided in this of those who follow the Lord God and love him. So here's another approach to getting at the idea that this is supposed to go through the generations. So the Psalms... How many of you have ever read a psalm in your life? Three. Good. No, just kidding. Psalms. Like Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, right? Those common ones. Um, And uh, there are 150 of them. And they make up five books. So there's, from different eras. So the, the time span of the writing of the psalms, of 150 psalms, is 500 to 1,000 years. We don't know exactly how long, but about 500 to 1,000 years separates all those psalms being written, the writers. So it's quite a span. How many generations come up in 1,000 years? How many of you can remember back 1,000 years? (laughs) Right? So all right, all right, all right. So talking about that, let's look at some of the psalms from the beginning books into the middle toward the end, in what is said about generations. So here's the first one. This is Psalm 33. But the plans of the Lord Yahweh stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart, there you go, through all generations. All. What's the future of the generations? Woe is us. Horror, terror, chicken little. Okay? Yeah, yeah, right. The purposes of God's heart endure through all generations. All. We are evidence of it. You sitting here, that's like weird, right? No. Uh Uh-uh. God's doing it. The purposes of his heart throughout all generations. Okay, here's another one. This is from Psalm 45, moving a little bit further in the Psalms. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. You see how this is all tying together? Got it? See what the generations do? They praise God. He's worthy of it. He's worth it. He's worth it to my life and my house and my income and my things in this world. God is worth way more than all of that. And I show it in my life by praising him. God be praised. Praise the Lord. You've probably heard that phrase around a lot, okay? So let's let's keep going a little further in the Psalms. This is 79. This is like 80. Psalm 80. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. (laughs) From generation to generation, we will proclaim your praise. Huh. Here's Psalm 100. For the Lord is good. 
and his love endures forever. Some of you know that, that verse, right? Yeah. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Really? Yeah, yeah. This is the generational feel. Let's go to the, my favorite Psalm, 145 now. Here's a verse, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. If this does not give you hope for the future, I don't know what will. The promises and trajectory and understanding of walking in faith, having a God with the name Yahweh, who's going to bring about salvation through Yahweh saves, his son, right? And that you believe in that and are connected to that, that is intended, always has been intended. It's been proclaimed 3,000 years ago. That's a lot of generations that there would be praise of God for all generations. You can pray for that. God has promised it. He wants to move it, despite some of the discouragement we get sometimes by the enthusiasm of some of our generations for God. He's worth nothing sometimes to people who walk this planet, which is kind of unbelievable to me. But I believe it. I watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's always gone that way. It's always been quite the journey to find out that God is worthy of praise and to follow him. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take another time warp from the time of the psalmist, and we're going to jump to the time of Jesus. Actually, after Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then there's this church that's trying to get started, like, like people gathering to talk about the things that God has done, especially with Jesus at the center. And Paul was one of the authors that had a lot of stuff that he wrote that we have in our Bible. So we're going to go to Ephesians 3, which is what I had read earlier, but let's look at it in a little bit more detail. So Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. The acts of God, all together in the ones he created. In fact, we even use terminology like children of the heavenly father. It's one of the favorite hymns for a lot of people, right? Children of the heavenly father. We derive who we are from him. And then we have this statement. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, this is still 2,000 years ago. It's a few generations back. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So right after Christ is risen, etc., this is the message going on. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, this is not punishment, okay, in the love of God being rooted and established in the love of God, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So here i got to take a moment. Lent is all about getting that straight. It's about looking to God's love shown in his Son who gave his life for us on the cross, which comes on Good Friday. And then God brings that story to a new 
life. Jesus, risen from the dead, exalted to the right hand of the Father. It is the message for all people to know. And to learn about that love is what it is all about in this life. It's not just the fact that our God punishes. It's the overarching thing over it all that he loves us and saves us. Israel never deserved to be saved. That's a lesson we need to learn. And neither do we. So God doesn't, well then, then, then why does God save? Love, everybody. Check out that banner. It's continuing. And does it continue just for you? No, no, no. It goes from generation to generation to generation. It moves along. This love of God to learn how deep it is, how high it is, how much. You want it personal? How much he loves you. And not only that, he loves all the generations around you. So if you've got kids, or you've got grandkids, or you've got great-grandkids, or great-great-grandkids, or you have great-great-great-grandkids, he loves them all. When Jesus went to the cross, he went there for all of them. And you know what? He is worth our praise. God is worthy because of his mighty acts. Great is the Lord in the splendor of all his majesty. That's why we sing the songs we sing, otherwise our hymns would be kind of like dead. Because they don't mean anything. If God really, it's not like we plug God in to get some good things out of him. He just is good. He is everything that a human being could ever need or want. So, we know this love. I was just finishing up that passage. We know this love which surpasses all knowledge. Let's see how good my memory is. <laughs> that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Like if God fills you, Romans 5, 5. God has poured out his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And it's not just pouring it out. It's pouring you to overflowing. You are filled to all the measure of the fullness of God that you might reflect love in this world. Jesus said, everyone will know that you're my follower if you love one another. That's how it works. God's love does not end with us. It flows and flows to the next generation. How do I show God's love to the next generation? Great question. Love. That's what God did to you. Loved you. And how do you show his love for them? You show them love. And then what do they do? They show love to the next generation and love to the next generation. You see how that works? And you learn it. Moms show it. Dads show it, right? Grandparents show it. Your job isn't done once your kids are out of the home. Empty nesting stages that go along with no hair and white beard, right? Your job isn't done. Are you kidding? You still have people you can show love? Well, you're in it then. You're in the thick of it all the way to the end, no matter how many generations come after. You still have that task to show God's love. He's worth it. And you praise him all the time. You come here, praise and sing, etc. Okay, next screen. And this is how he concludes. And that word concludes means I'm really close to the end. So you can just bear with me right here. Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. Or imagine. Someone tried to imagine once. I can only imagine, but... 
just had to say that in there, right? He does more, oh, no, wait, wait up, Don. I'm almost done. He's like, hurry up and finish. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Immeasurably more, all than we ask and imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Notice how he ends it. Throughout all generations, forever and ever. We are 2,000 years of generations beyond this statement. You don't think it's going to continue? It, look, if the world's going to be around for another million years, which is my best guess, <laughs> there are other people who say it's going to end tomorrow, but that's good too. I agree with that. We don't know. We don't know. Do I think that for a million generations, the love of God in Christ can continue? Absolutely. We will continue to commend the worthiness of God to the next generations, all his mighty acts, all the things he's done for us in our lives. Amen? Amen. That's what we say. And that's why we are here. We're committed to this. We hear the declaration to us and future generation, a prayer for us, and Paul's prayer is already being fulfilled because it's gone on for 2,000 years, and we are the continuation of it. Wow. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we are thankful to you for the blessing of your word. As we look at it again, your, your intent is great. From all so many years ago, even until now, you are having your good news and love shared with the next generations. We ask that you would continue to do this in our generation and the generations to come, that your name may be glorified by the whole world and praised. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue now with our offering. Where could I run? Where could I hide from 
your heart's jealous fire All treasures of wisdom and things to be known Are hidden inside of your hand In this fortunate turn of events You ask me to be your in prayer. Oh Lord, you are truly our future. And you have shown your love to us in the past. Many, many years ago. And now all the way up to today. We thank you for the promises you share with us in scripture about our lives, about the future of your church here on earth, and the future of our kingdom life with you in heaven. Grant to us a continued hope in you to fulfill your promises from generation to generation that more people around the world would be brought into the story of your love and that they would believe it, hold to it for hope and comfort in this life and in the life to come. Dear God, we come before you as, as people who experience all the challenges in this life all kinds of brokenness as a result of sin and death and the devil, as well as just hardship in this life. There are many people in our church here who are in need of prayer. And we are asking you, oh God, you already know everything that's needed. You know all the people we would lift before you. We especially lift Lisa before you and her husband, Tom, um, who would definitely be with us if she could be today. It's a difficult road for her. So we ask that you would
Bless her with strength and hope in you. We pray for Dick, who is healing, Erica as well, others that we name silently before you, knowing that your healing touch is needed in our life. You, you walk with us. Our lives are in your hands. And you are a great God, worthy of praise in all things, even in the final day of our life here on earth as we enter into your glory, as we pass through death. We know that in our grieving, we still have joy because your promises are true. You are a faithful and worthy God on all accounts. Grant that this message of hope go out to the world around us, that it infiltrate our community and our nation and the world in which we live, that ultimately more and more people would know of your love. We pray all these prayers, all the cries of our heart go to you. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.